0: The Science Inside podcast. This is The Science Inside with Elna. Welcome to the show. It's another Monday night and we are talking science around a news story and in general just about life. My name is Elna Schutz and we are back for 2018. We've made some sneaky changes to the show. I hope it'll be fresh and even more interesting than normal. But of course, all about science. The big story for today is a disease you will probably not have heard of a few months ago, but now we're all a little bit scared. South Africans are dying from the biggest outbreak of Listeriosis recorded so far in the world. And it's not over yet the most recent update from the 25th of Jan is that 820 cases have been confirmed by laboratory since the start of last year 82 people have been confirmed dead so far but you do have to know that not all cases have come through the reporting system yet and we only actually know the outcome of about a quarter of the ones that we know about so even Even though it does sound quite bad There are a lot more numbers out there That we don't know about yet But it is definitely a very big outbreak And even though this has been in the news Since late last year Exactly which food is causing this Hasn't been discovered yet Which is a little bit scary Because you don't know Maybe we're still eating it And it's definitely not a very easy thing To figure out the other thing that you probably know from the news reports is that not everybody dies from listeriosis and it's also not contagious. So, in fact, a lot of people don't even know that they have the bacteria in their, in their body. Some people get a stomach flu and then they just carry on with their lives. But for those with a weak immune system like newborn babies or people who might be HIV positive, The risk is extremely high. So that's what's in the news. This is what you might have heard. But since we are the science inside, we, of course, want to look deeper than that and really understand more about this disease, why it's so dangerous and how to figure out where it's coming from so that brings me to what's on the show today in a minute we'll kick it off with the science news and just get a little bit of an update on what's happening in the world of research later we do get into the details of listeriosis in south africa just make sure that we're all on the same page and understand then we go to our more fun feature it's called unscience and today i want to chat to you about placebos that's fake medicine if you don't know what it is and apparently what kind of fake medicine you give people in a medical study matters especially the price tag so we're going to look at that later in unscience and then a new feature on the show something we're trying out we actually want to hear the scientists behind some south african science so this week we're talking to professor robert miller that's all that's on the show today. I'm really excited. I think it's gonna be a fun one. Whether you think of yourself as a nerd or not, do join in the conversation. As always, we're the Science Inside on Facebook and there's a WhatsApp line. It's zero eight four zero seven eight four nine one two. And on Twitter, at VARFM, hashtag Science Inside. It's really easy to find us. But there's one special thing I want to tell you about. Our show is actually recruiting. So, if you would like to be on the Science Inside, you've always loved science, always wanted to be on radio, there is a chance for you to actually participate as a volunteer on the show. So, I'm throwing it out there. Find us on social media and you will find... Right there, the the instructions. To apply, you can join the team. But let's get into the show. The news is up next. This week's Science headline. So I don't know about you, but do you believe in mind reading? Do you believe that somebody could look you deep in the eyes And know exactly what you're thinking. And not just that you would like another slice of chocolate cake. We can all read that thought. Something deeper than that. Well, science is coming closer to this than you might think. They're using something which you might have heard of. It's called an MRI machine or a magnetic resonance imaging machine. This doesn't use radiation, so it's not like a CAT scan. It's not like an X-ray. It uses magnetic fields and some other things like radio waves to generate an image of the organs in the body. So researchers at the Dora Institute for Research and Education in Brazil used this method to read minds, specifically what song somebody is listening to. So the way they did this was they played forty pieces of music, from classical music to rock, pop, jazz—you mention it—and each time one of the participants listened to a song, the MRI machine scanned their brain and recorded a so-called neural fingerprint of them listening to that music meanwhile a computer was learning to identify the brain patterns that each musical piece made this included all kinds of things like the musical dynamics the rhythm the timbre. and then once it was done they turned it all around the computer was now monitoring the brain waves and trying to identify which song the person was listening to that they did give they did give the computer some options, so it had to choose one from ten songs. um but still, it had to do this, and this is called brain decoding. And I know it might sound simple because you and I can easily differentiate from in between you know ten songs. But given how complicated brain waves are, and the fact that computers really are just machines, the fact that the computer was around seventy four percent accurate, that's pretty good. I mean, isn't that, isn't that like a metric distinction? That's pretty good. And so machines apparently can read our brains and identify a song. And this could help with all kinds of things in research. So for instance, brain decoding on someone who isn't able to communicate in any other way. So someone who has an illness, who isn't able to, to blink or to move. Maybe we can start to decode what they're thinking about. It can also help with the development of machines like um, artificial intelligence, especially if we're talking about written or spoken languages. And it could also give us answers to the question we have all asked before. Why does my friend really not like that song that I love? Does he not know it's a jam? Maybe science could tell us that one day That is the first story in our news But on the second one Something a little bit more serious There is possibly a new Kind of therapy for cancer And it uses light Of all things Scientists at the National University of Singapore Have created a device That delivers light into the human body Activating something called Photodynamic theory Or PDT So it basically uses a drug called a photosensitizer, which is light-sensitive, so it gets activated by light. And this treatment is triggered by a specific wavelength of light, which in turn produces a form of oxygen that kills nearby cells, like, for instance, cancerous cells. So this PDT therapy, it kills cancerous cells, it shrinks and destroys tumors by damaging blood vessels in the tumor and it also helps with preventing reoccurrences of the cancer so they might think that PDT may also activate the immune system to attack the tumor cells themselves so up till now PDT has only been used to treat surface cancer so maybe like on your skin skin cancer however organs such as the brain or liver did react but usually only after being exposed by surgery so now it is possible that pdt could be used to treat a wider range of cancers such as brain and liver cancers and the thing is the precision in targeting these specific cells is really helpful because you don't have the kind of side effects you might have with chemotherapy which usually as we know affects the entire body. So this device, if you're just wondering how it works, the device is implanted at the target site on the skin, at least when you're working with the skin. And then a specialized radio frequency system wirelessly powers the device and monitors just how much light is going where. So it's quite futuristic, and obviously it hasn't gone through all the stages of testing yet, but it could be a major breakthrough in making sure that this kind of therapy can reach areas of the body where there's cancer that have up till now been inaccessible so there's your two just two quick updates from the world of science that you might not have known about from reading brains to curing cancer there's always something that is very close to our lives in science isn't there so, next up, we do get into the show specifically around listeriosis. You have heard about it, but let's dig into the science of the food that's making people sick. This is The Science Inside with Elna. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Elna Schutz, And remember, you can find us on Facebook as The Science Inside. Tweet us at VARFM. Hashtag science inside Especially if you have any questions Around listeriosis I know everybody's talking about the disease Maybe you have a specific question If we don't answer it, just send it through there On social media and we will try our best This show today Is hopefully going to be lots of fun But first off, let's dig Into this story I know listeriosis is very Scary sounding and to be honest With you, that's with good reason There are 82 Recorded deaths thus far and this is the biggest outbreak ever worldwide as far as we know which is scary so it all starts with one little bacteria to find out more here's dr lucia Annelich she's the owner of Annelich consulting and she's a food microbiologist and international food safety expert
1: listeriosis is disease that is caused by a particular bacterium called Listeria monocytogenes the organism causes two forms of illness the one is a far milder form which presents itself with typical gastroenteritis symptoms like a bit of fever and diarrhea and it is not usually serious and most people get over it quite quickly and they won't even know they had Listeria monocytogenes infection but when we get to the more invasive form of the illness which is the more serious form of the two that is the disease we actually call Listeriosis and this is the one that causes around 20 to 30% mortality so 20 to 30% of the people who get the, 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 the severe form will die from it. And that is what makes it quite different to other foodborne diseases. So with a Salmonella, for example, uh, you get a Salmonellosis, which is the disease. And even though millions of people get it per annum, uh, the mortality rate is around 0.1%, which is very, very low. Whereas with Listeriosis, a very small percentage of people get it, but you have this higher mortality rate.
0: So this isn't just a stomach bug, even though it may look like that for a lot of people, but for those who are targeted, it can be very dangerous.
1: This listeriosis illness actually affects very specific people in the population and we call them the vulnerable or the susceptible. And these are typically very, very, very young children, babies mainly, Uh, The elderly above 65 years old, the pregnant, because the pregnant mother, if she eats a a food contaminated with Listeria monocytogenes, she can transfer it via her placenta to the unborn child, which can result in a miscarriage or the baby being born preterm or being born dead at birth. Or, in fact, the baby could be born alive, but it may actually have uh, contracted meningitis. And that obviously creates a whole lot of complications
0: as well. These kinds of risks also include people with low immune systems, such as people who are HIV positive. So Listeriosis thankfully does react to antibiotics, but often people may not be diagnosed and treated quickly enough. And I was especially saddened by the statistic that said that 43% of deaths that have occurred up till now in this outbreak were babies under just a month old that's crazy so it's very serious and you could easily be eating the bacteria without knowing it so the question here is that um, or the thing rather is that very differently to other foodborne diseases there are quite a few things associated with listeriosis it's not as easy as ulna where is it and i can say oh it's ch- probably chicken no it's ready to eat deli meats so if you love your hot dog viennas your poloni your ham your meat spreads all of that is a problem or can be especially uh unpasteurized raw milk products have often internationally been a problem but thankfully those kind of milk products aren't very often used in South Africa so that may be okay but even something like a pre-packaged salad because um, you know it is cut and prepared and then this one really cut me deeply ice cream ice cream you guys could have listeriosis are we even safe <laughs> uh, that one cut me but to get serious it all comes down to the fact that heat kills this bacteria and actually the grows even below four degrees in your refrigerator which is very unusual and makes it so much more risky so the question is where does it come from how did it get into our food The answer is probably not what you want to hear, but here's Dr. Annelich again. Listeria monocytogenes, and this once again
1: makes it a slightly different organism, it is in the environment naturally. So where you are growing your crops, your vegetables, your fruits, your cereals, your animals are being raised, whether they are chickens or cattle or whatever. Listeria is there. It's amongst all of that. It lives in the soil, it lives in water sources, so it's everywhere. With a result that it's extremely difficult to keep it out of a food uh, processing facility because it comes in with the initial raw material that comes in. So from there, there has to be proper management of hygiene you know implementing good hygiene practices good manufacturing practices and everything that's related to that in the environment wherein these products are now being handled.
0: So the bad news is you can't actually stop Listeria from being out there or getting into the facilities because it is in raw material and obviously it's not dangerous for animals and so on. So you have to make sure you have proper processes in the factories.
1: At factory level, uh, whether it's right at the beginning of the food chain or further down the food chain, it is absolutely vital that the organism is controlled in the factory. So swabs need to be taken of the environment regularly, especially the drains there has to be a very, very effective cleaning and disinfection procedure in place in those factories. And it is all part of a larger picture, which is about certification of these facilities by a third party. So your certification is then independent and it's impartial. You're not marking your own homework, in other words. Uh, And it's a group of people from outside. They come in, they do a full audit on your process. We call that a food safety audit. And they then, according to specific ISO standards, will say, yes, your system complies with all the requirements in this standard. Therefore, you are certified to this standard in terms of a food safety management system.
0: These processes do happen, so don't get too scared. But of course, sometimes manufacturers can slip through the cracks, especially um, if there might be smaller ones. And there are also lots of different systems at play here because if we're talking a fish product, it'll probably fall under the Department of Fishery while something else might fall under agriculture. So there's also a couple of different systems and environmental health um, offices that have to do with these things and that's why it's not easy to say what exactly is causing this outbreak
1: if there's been no trace back to go back to this uh manufacturer to actually make sure that that manufacturer is complying with requirements and one of the problems is that listeriosis symptoms can appear up to 70 seven zero days after infection now you are now questioned as a case what did you eat in the last 70 days people are not going to remember what they ate
0: i'm sure you also agree with her because i can sometimes not remember what i ate yesterday let alone where i bought my lunch from seven weeks ago so even though it is not the best method one of the best ways is actually to try to ask people who have gotten sick and and find some commonalities about what kind of products they've eaten. But there's also a lot of testing that's happening currently, and environmental health officers are going to producers, to factories, even to retailers, and just taking more swabs, trying to find out what exactly could could be the culprit in this outbreak we also unfortunately do have limited data like I said earlier about the people who have gotten sick so of all the people who may have possibly had listeriosis we only have some data and it's still coming through bit by bit so that makes it more trickier but the thing is all of this may possibly just be coming from one single source the fact that It's ST6 as the outbreak strain.
1: It usually indicates that this is coming from a single source. So this could be a facility that is putting out only one kind of product or the same facility putting out a variety of products. So if I'm a cold meat factory, I might be putting out ham of different kinds, uh, pastrami, um, Vienna sausages, frankfurters, and I might make some and, and polonia as well. So I might make some that are low cost, and I might make some which are higher cost, which the more affluent consumer uh, would be able to afford. And this is this is this is what's actually happening currently. Is the fact is that people across socio-economic levels are getting sick. So this is definitely not only a food that poorer people are consuming or that very wealthy people are consuming
0: so it may very well be one source that creates a variety of things so a fancy meat pate but also poloni who knows it's probably as she says not something like sushi that only a certain socioeconomic part of the country would be eating There is currently also an outbreak of the very same strain of listeriosis in Europe, the very same one, and they are also not finding the source. So if you're hearing these updates and you're thinking it's taking a while, that is because it is quite difficult.
1: So it is literally finding a needle in a haystack. And the minister had said at some point that maybe we actually will never find it because foodborne disease outbreaks have a pattern. They usually start off and then there's a whole lot of numbers and then those numbers start to increase as more and more people are exposed to the contaminated food. At some point, that contaminated food usually leaves the shelf by the time it's been bought and consumed and it's over. Then you start to see the numbers drop. And so sometimes these outbreaks happen and you've already got the cases dropping and it goes away and and you still don't know what the source was.
0: So that is something that can happen. It isn't happening yet because currently we are seeing a steady increase of cases. And remember what she said, that this is quite a long period. Somebody created a product, then it went into the stores, then you or I ate it, and then it's up to 70 days before you start feeling sick. And so this that's a very long process, and that means that over months, most likely, somewhere this has been created again and again in products. So it's a very tricky thing, and we can obviously hope that it will decrease, but... Other than that, we can the authorities can just keep trying to find where exactly a Listeriosis is coming from. And one of the things about the disease is that currently we're seeing the most outbreaks in Gauteng. And I thought, well, that's pretty simple. It's clearly a Gauteng factory. Makes sense, right? But she was actually telling me, Dr. Annelich was actually telling me that it's not that easy. It might just be the demographics of who lives in Gauteng and what they tend to eat. It might be how many people, the density of population in Gauteng, that that influences these things, that means that listeriosis perhaps is not as prevalent in the Northern Cape or Limpopo or somewhere else. So as you can hear, it is not as simple as this is the disease, this is what's happening. But just imagine we do find where this contaminated food is coming from. If they did find the factory, it would be shut down. There would be a big recall of all of the food that they have on the shelves to make sure that nobody else gets sick. And possibly even a criminal process of the the company or even an individual possibly because the 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 proper procedures were not looked at and a lot of people got sick in fact quite a few people died as we heard so it is fascinating science but it is very scary health unfortunately But for now, the best you can do if you are worried is obviously watch yourself. Watch what you're eating. Just... Think about your choices. Be very careful with food hygiene, especially if there are um, people with vulnerable immune systems in your household, in your family. You don't have to be scared of this, but you do need to be careful, especially if there's perhaps a pregnant lady or you've been feeling a bit off lately, had had what you thought was a stomach flu. Just be very aware of those things and hopefully This will be taken care of. Hopefully, we will find a source or at least the outbreak will will come down. But quite a scary, scary story there, unfortunately, with listeriosis. But I hope you feel like you understand it a little bit better now. You are listening to The Science Inside. And next up, we get into a little bit of a lighter side of research. You're listening to The Science Inside, bringing you science around major news events. Welcome to the Science Inside. It is the one hour a week where we get a little bit nerdy on biofem and we look at science. It's some serious stories. Earlier we looked at listeriosis and if you missed that and you want to understand more, make sure you grab our podcast on journalism.coza forward slash science. But... Science is not just serious. I know you might not believe me. I know a lot of people think science is not that fun, but we are here to convince you otherwise. And the one little feature in the show that always does it for me is called unscience. We look at some very strange research. You wouldn't believe that science could be this weird and wonderful and that scientists actually spend quite a lot of time effort and money on some of these things let's get into today's unusual unlikely unscience.
1: this is your last chance after this there is no turning back you take the blue pill the story ends you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe you take the red pill you stay in wonderland And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
0: If you're a 90s kid, you know exactly what that clip was from The Matrix. This pill or that pill? It can make a world of difference what's in that little capsule or tablet regardless of what the color is. And we are definitely not talking about girls in red dresses or The Matrix. If you are doing a clinical trial to see if a certain medication works in a specific way. I mean, we talk on the Science side all the time about this medical trial, that medical trial. They found out that this medicine does this. But how do you know that the medicine really did that? Well, you need something to compare it to, a control group. And this group of people is often given a placebo, which is a medication that looks just like the real thing, but it doesn't actually do anything. It's completely fake. It can even be a treatment like acupuncture. So you're probably asking, oh no, why not just give them nothing? Why not just put them in the room, see if anything changes, and there you go, control group. So sure, with some things that works, but here's the crazy thing. When people think that they're getting medicine that their bodies will probably react to in a specific way, their bodies do. So when we expect that either I'll definitely feel better or I'm really scared of the side effects, I might just get them. I might feel less pain or I might um, start feeling some nausea just because the mind is that strong and starts reacting to what it believes even though you're not really taking any treatment so this is called the placebo effect you might have heard of it and If you give somebody a placebo and this effect happens in their mind, it helps even out the possible differences between the two groups. Because the group that is getting the real treatment may, of course, also have these expectation effects. So it's really a great leveler of things. So placebos are important, even though usually they're just made out of sugar or salt water. But it turns out... Not all fake medicines are equally made. Can can you believe that? How could there be differences in how fake something is? Scientists at the University of Cincinnati decided to test two placebos against each other. They looked the same. They felt the same. Everything was the same. Even what was in them was the same. The only thing they changed was telling the patient what the drug supposedly cost. So the one group was told that they were swallowing $100 worth of medicine, while the other was given an amount 15 times that high. The patients we're talking about here all had Parkinson's disease, which generally has a really strong placebo effect, with symptoms improving by up to 16% with the fake meds. So the researchers in this um, placebo versus placebo trial suspected that this would be even higher when there was a hefty price tag attached. They thought if people thought that they were taking really expensive medicine, that maybe they would get even better, even though they weren't taking anything. And you know what? They were right there was more brain activity and improvements of almost 10% more in the patients with the more expensive so-called placebo. And another study found that how a placebo was given also makes quite a difference. So I think we... We can all relate to this if we've had a bad doctor. But these patients were given fake acupuncture treatment with a lot of care and attention. The doctor spent at least 20 minutes speaking to them and made sure to give them reassuring pats on their hands or shoulders. Who knows? Maybe they even chose young, good-looking doctors just to make it easier for all the women in the group. But this group actually had less pain. less constipation and other symptoms than the other groups who are also on placebos. So placebos aren't just helpful as a baseline in clinical trials like they have usually been used. They actually really have an effect in themselves due to what we expect, whether that's the price tag on them or the doctor's care that comes with them. If this might seem silly to you, think about how you always buy that certain brand of cough drop or painkiller even though actually you can get the exact same active ingredient in a cheaper generic with probably a less colorful box. So it turns out that even with fake medicine, appearances and the price tag matters. Unusual, unlikely, that was our unscience. I thought that was pretty crazy and also very sneaky of the researchers because that was probably the cheapest research trial in the history of science because all they had to do was take a couple of pills um, and they probably felt like they were in the movie The Matrix. If you like that make sure you go to social media The Science Inside on Facebook or by FM on Twitter. Let us know what you think about placebos and whether it's a, it's a good idea to put a high price tag on them just in case people actually feel like they're more expensive and better. So for that, uh, that segment, a big thank you goes to Improbable Research. That's where you can find a lot more cool science like this and the music in the background is by uh, Ben Sounds. This is the Science Inside with Elna. Welcome to the Science Inside. My name is Elna Schutz. This is the one hour a week where we get a little bit nerdy. Today, we've been talking about a story that I think, whether you are interested in science or not, has been on everybody's minds. Listeriosis is just thrown about as a word, and a lot of people, I think, are scared of it and maybe don't entirely know what it is. So, we spoke to uh, a scientist. We try to find out more about it, especially. Why are so many babies dying of it? Um, why do we not know where listeriosis is coming from? And we learned that it is a very different disease to other foodborne diseases. It could be in pretty much anything from ice cream to your poloni for lunch. It's very scary. But thankfully, you are not that likely to die from it. So... A lot of people get it and just have a little bit of the stomach flu but don't necessarily get very ill the people that do get very ill have a very high uh, death rate because it is just very difficult for especially newborn babies and people who might be elderly or have some other kind of disease so that's just to explain some of the numbers that you're seeing around listeriosis we then later in the show looked at the placebo effect and whether it could really be possible that giving fake medicine to people could make their diseases up to 17% better. I didn't believe it, but it's true. And apparently, if you tell somebody that fake medicine is very expensive, they will not only believe it, they will react better and have less pain. So, who knows? Maybe the next time your roommate is irritating you with another flu or another headache. Just give them some smarties and, and tell them tell them it's a placebo. This is The Science Inside with Elna. It's been a great first show of the year. Remember to find us on Facebook as The Science Inside or tweet us at VowFM. The whole podcast of the show will be on journalism.coza forward slash science. And I want to repeat that we are doing something very exciting right now. We are trying to look for new Science Insiders So if you love the show Maybe you love science Or um, or you've always Secretly wanted to be on radio Like Michael and Anthony You can actually join the production team It's very easy You just send through an email in the next week or so all of those details are on our social media, The Science Inside and at VOWFM. We are recruiting. So send in that application. Who knows? You could be talking about listeriosis and placebos soon. So thank thank you again to all of our guests featured on the show tonight, especially Dr. Lucia and Lich. Also, we do have a team behind the scenes. Uh, production today was by Bridget LePere and Tech by Cotlano Serame. And as I said, you you can join our team possibly. Just look for those details for recruitment. The Science Inside is produced by the WITS Radio Academy, funded in part by the South African Department of Science and Technology. My name is Elna Schutz, and I will be back with you next week. The Science Inside, Monday from 6 to 7 p.m. on PowerShell 88.1. Listen to the Science Insight Podcast on www.jermism.co.ca